Welcome to season five of the If You Knew Me podcast. It's your girl Hannah, a T23 and the dewiest of them all. <laughs> Teresa Jasmine and I have had a blast leading the podcast for y'all last year, and we're so pumped that some T24s will be joining us this year. What you can expect from this season are more fun conversations with our first and second year classmates, as well as eye-opening chats with our favorite professors. We are pumped for you all to listen along. Do let us know of any comments, questions, or suggestions. We want to hear from you. Make sure to follow along on on Instagram at if you knew me pod. Good luck to any and all endeavors you have going on, and we'll catch you on the show. Bye. If you knew me, you would know that I love films. Have you always loved film, or is it more of a recent interest? I, as long as I can remember, I've loved film. I remember my dad instituted, is that the word? Yeah, I think so. Uh, or introduced the idea of Sunday cinema when I was young. And so every Sunday as a family, we'd get together and we would watch films. And would then, you go out to the movie theatre? No, we'd always be at home. Um, I, don't, I don't think I went to the, the movies that much as a kid. And then after my parents split up, there was a lot of time, like we would see my dad Saturday evenings and Sundays, and, and absolutely we would watch at least one film during that time. And so it's always been a way that I, like, decompress, I think. Um is did you grow up watching a specific type of film no everything. everything i'm not i hate being scared so i don't watch horror i'm not good at watching horror the last horror movie i saw was it and i jumped so much <laughs> that the guy sitting behind me in the theater laughed <laughs> <laughs> during like a, a scare scene like a jump shock scene um but no everything else i love i especially love um I think the films that most resonate with me are family films. I love, especially, I think, the father-daughter dynamic in movies. Mm -hmm. I love Interstellar. I love, um, this is not a father-daughter thing, but Marriage Story I watched again recently and loved. Um, Probably the best film I've seen recently was a film called Baby Teeth. I've never seen it. It was... It's Australian, it was kind of low-key, but it had Ben Mendelsohn in it, and it was about a 16-year-old girl who has cancer, and there is one sequence right at the end with him and her, which I just think made me cry for days. So, you, you know, you mentioned interest in father-daughter films, all mm. their different storylines. Has your interest changed as you've progressed through your different life phases, so when you're a child versus a teenager versus now? Or have you kind of always been interested in these like interpersonal dynamics? I don't know if I was aware enough when I was younger to really diagnose what I liked. Um, that one of the things I like about film is that that as you sort of spiral through life and revisit the same experiences through different eyes, the same films have different things to offer. And so I'll go back and watch a film. And, and maybe the first time I saw it, I identified with one character and now the next time it's another character or I've got a new takeaway or a new interpretation. Um, I, th- I think they're quite rich in that respect. Does any film come to mind as you're thinking about the revisiting aspect? That's a good question. Um, I think, well... I remember having a conversation about this just after I'd seen the the most recent make of A Star Is Born. And I hadn't seen it when I was, like, I don't know, in my early teens. 
but I think if I had, I probably would have associated more with Lady Gaga, like the aspiring artist, like hungrily pursuing her dreams. And now I'm only 31, but I'm definitely Bradley <laughs> Cooper. I'm like, what the hell is going on? Maybe I need to drink less and simmer down. Well, you kind of mentioned, you know, being an aspiring actor or whatever kind of drew to Lady Gaga's character. I mm. have to ask, as someone who loves film, yeah, why are you in business school? Because, firstly, I'm not talented enough to be the best director in the world. <laughs> Yes. And so that's pretty damning. There's that great scene in... Oh, it's actually helpful that this is my topic because I, I in, in the world of business, I express myself a lot through film okay. to the extent where the first person I ever managed was like, you need to watch fewer films. Like, You need to be able to have a conversation with me about what you want me to do or how you want me to behave in a workplace <laughs> that doesn't involve a movie quote. Because <laughs> all the best lines I steal. But um, I think... There is this great line in uh, Little Women, mm. um, and there's a, there's a similar sentiment to Mark Wahlberg in The Gambler, where it's like, I want to be the best, I want total victory, or I want nothing at all. Like, if it's not genius, like, why bother? And that's kind of how I feel. So knowing that I'm not going to be the next Noah Baumbach or Steven Spielberg or whoever, I'm like, cool, let's try something else. Um, but I, f- I realised... In about 2018, maybe 2019. You're what, 27, 28? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I realised that the most interesting, um, impressive, inspiring, intelligent people that I knew were at or had been to graduate school generally, business school or policy school. And I sort of draw the analogy of like imagine you're at a party and you meet someone and they do a thing and you're like oh you're cool Mm. but then you meet another person they do that thing and then they're cool and then you meet another person and sooner or later you're like maybe I should do that thing and be surrounded by cool people and so that happened and I and I got to a stage where I was like I need I need to go to business school or and policy school to be surrounded by people like this and learn from people like this so you just kind of stole my segue for me. And you know, you're nice. not only a student at Tufts, but also at the Harvard Kennedy School. Uh-huh. What made you decide to pursue this dual degree apart from a fervent admiration of those who have? I mean, a lot of indecision. As we all have. <laughs> <laughs> when I was applying, I basically every single day, depending on which side of the bed I got up uh, on, flip-flopped between MBA and MPP. Did you... Did you think you were going to do one or the other? No, I, I, I came to the conclusion, actually, before I even sat the GRE, and it was the reason I sat the GRE, not the GMAT, is I came to the conclusion that I would need to do both if I could. Mm. Um, and there were head reasons for that, and one of which was, you know, I, I spoke to a, a, a couple of dual degree students who, you know, in COVID especially, because it, it was such a hot topic that people would be in the business school phase of their dual degree and they would have conversations about uh, economic recovery and innovation and the role of the private sector and then they would go to their the policy school part of their degree and they would talk about uh, equity and uh, the way in which the effects were being felt unfairly across different demographics 
and government and policy and safeguarding in the future. Mm-hmm. And, and so in my head, I was like, it, it makes total sense to me that the, 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 the question shouldn't be why do a jewellery, it should be why not? Like mm. these are two systems that work hand in glove. The, the sort of heart part of me was, I think I'm naturally more drawn to the stuff that you would cover in the policy side of things, mm-hmm. but I naturally see the value more in the business side of things. And so if I'm making this big investment, I should probably hedge a little and try and do both and get the fulfillment and the career side of it. I know your dual degrees in public policy. Is there a specific area of public policy you're most interested in? Yeah, I like, uh, well, social impact. I, I spoke to um, uh, to a guy after an event the other day, and I said, everyone in impact investing keeps telling me you need to have a really specific thesis. Mm-hmm. Mine is social impact, and that includes basically healthcare and education and... Uh, financial inclusion and access to democratic systems basically all of those things that people are currently discriminated on at a systemic level that we can that we can try and level up to use a horrible British political phrase right now um, is that too broad and he said no that's totally fine so basically that's what I care about is where you're born and when you're born should have absolutely zero effect on your ability to have the same base quality of life as anyone else Do you think you would have made the same decisions you made had COVID not happened? Well, that's a good question because fundamentally, no. Interesting. But I think what COVID did was gave me the opportunity to actually do it Mm. um, and, and the prompt to stop procrastinating out of fear and just be brave and take a punt. So... The desire didn't change, but mm-hmm. I think maybe the willingness to chase after it changed. I think I've mentioned during this conversation, as well as previous conversations, obviously your love of film and you're clearly an avid study of, of <laughs> other people. Um, kind of curious about what sort of characters within films or gosh, even like real life you find yourself most drawn to or most interested in. I think I'm very drawn to good fathers. You know, and people that spring to mind. I mean, we mentioned Interstellar, Matthew McConaughey in that. Me Before You, Charles Dance is great. About Time, Bill Nye is a great dad. Uh, Stanley Tucci in basically everything he's ever been As a human being. I mean, if I could be Stanley Tucci in Easy A, I'd like, why would I want to? If, if you could offer me that trade-off, I would not be at business school. Um, and it scares me how quickly those examples came to mind. <laughs> Would you ever consider working in the entertainment industry? Maybe. Yeah. I think I'm just, I think I'm partially too scared. Again, that I, I just maybe wouldn't be good enough. I, I think also I, I've internalised too much of other people's view of success in that, you know, you're a white collar worker in a city, in a financial district, earning a certain paycheck with a certain brand name. Um, and I feel like if I if I were going to do that, maybe I should have done it when I was twenty four. Hmm. But never say never. Yeah, who knows? I don't know. Yeah. I, I I love the idea of um, of having multiple careers, and maybe one of them could be something <laughs> arts adjacent. Um, that's fun. So something I know that you mentioned that you were pretty involved in before you came to talk 
um, and that kind of intersects with your MPP um, interest is that you were on the board of a charter school yeah. in London. Can you tell me a little bit more about what drew you to that? There were, there were two things, I think. The first was the opportunity to just do anything like that at all, mm. which is I decided to quit the consulting job I was doing and contract for the government. And I was doing three and a half days a week and I was very clear that I wanted to use that remaining day and a half productively and I wanted a like a portfolio career, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, which I, I didn't really know was a thing. I, I felt like you had to basically be grey-haired and on the board of... You know, a, a big FTSE 100 mm-hmm. before you had that available to you and then I read this great book called The Multi-Hyphen Method and I was like oh yeah I, like why can't I be a helicopter pilot <laughs> and a consultant and a travel writer all at the same time and so and that was great and then I I loved healthcare and I was working in healthcare strategy for the British government. I also loved education and a friend of mine was chair of governors at this school and it's a hospital school so basically all of the students were um, either out of mainstream education because they they had some health condition or behavioural condition that meant they couldn't be successful there or they were um, outpatients in a hospital ward because they were they had cancer or they were burn victims mm-hmm. or something like that, or were psychiatric inpatients. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the whole premise of the school was just because you are too ill to go to a proper elementary school, middle school, high school, doesn't mean you don't need education. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I love that. And he mentioned to me just offhand, like, hey, you, this sounds like the sort of thing you would be interested in. Would you like to come and meet the principal? And I bit his hand off to say yes. So this kind of notion of like just because you're X Y Z doesn't mean you can't, you know, fill in the blank. Mm. Um, it seems to be like a little bit of a theme throughout some of the conversations that we have. Where do you think that comes from? You mentioned that in terms of your interest in social impact. You know, just because you're born in a certain area doesn't mean yeah, whatever. Maybe because I feel strongly about the opposite. Like I went to a good school. Um, but it was not a I wouldn't say it was an amazing school mm-hmm. but then I was lucky enough to go to a very good university and then I think because of that fact and how I look and how I dress and the way that I speak especially in the UK which is obsessed with class mm. in a way that America refreshingly really isn't I feel like I was increasingly having conversations with people who thought they knew my story just based on those superficial markers mm-hmm. And, and that that almost gave me like a reverse chip on my shoulder and really annoyed me and and felt very unfair and opened me up to thinking about you know what why is it that we write stories for people and then we select evidence that we think justifies those stories mm-hmm. and and I was fortunate in the sense that it like it wasn't a big deal like people were writing a, a story which wasn't mine. And I, and I really, you know, it's not my parents' story and it's not my brother's story, but it's still, it's successful. You it's know, fine, it's fine. Yeah. It's a very privileged way to come from, uh, thing to come from. And then I was like, um, you know, but it's that much worse when people write a story for you that makes you worse off than you actually are. Mm-hmm. And, and I just think that's cripplingly unfair. And I guess back to your question about 
business school and policy school, I think that is a responsibility that everyone has to fix, whether you're a government or an organisation, a non-profit, an individual, whoever. Mm-hmm. Seems like it all comes back to storytelling. Yeah, well, I love a good story. <laughs> and everything makes more sense in hindsight, right? I feel like storytelling is just, you know, when you do a lot of work on yourself and you pay a lot of money to a therapist to help you work on yourself and you have relationships that fail and you challenge yourself, mm-hmm. you, you draw the connections between dots and so that's kind of all it is. Yeah. So you mentioned in a previous conversation that watching films kind of activates a different part of your brain. Yeah. Can you talk to me a little bit about that? Uh, it, in terms of what part of my brain it's activating, I don't know. I think I have these like capital R romantic senses that the world, yeah, I should have been like a bohemian. Like the world is full of like truth and beauty and love and. You know, maybe we should all... It's not hippie, but, like, we should all remember that. Um, and, you know, what is what is a higher endeavour than art? And, you know, ours gratuitous artist, like, for its own sake and all that sort of stuff. And, and I love it when other people are like that. And, mm-hmm. and Hanover doesn't give a lot of time for that. <laughs> and certainly the professional world generally doesn't get a lot of time for that. But... Um, I think it all sounds very like noble and pretentious, but actually it's exactly the same part of your personality as the part that walks down Tuck Mall and sees a pretty tree and think, mm-hmm. oh, they're beautiful coloured leaves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How's your experience at Tuck been so far? Hard. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> really hard. What has been challenging about it? Not what I expected. In what way? I... I had a lot of imposter syndrome coming in because I felt like, even though I had been a consultant for eight or nine years, I hadn't ever really been taught how to be a good consultant. Mm. And I felt like I, I would be good at some of the technical stuff, but would I be good enough to justify how long I waited to come here? Yeah. And so I expected in the classroom to be a little out of my depth. And, and that that would be the main thing. And actually, I think the main thing that I found hard is socially, it's just intense. Yeah. And I think of myself as a fairly extroverted person, but so is a, a, a big portion of people here. Um, I, I think I, I just assumed that it would be more like undergrads. And actually, people here are so much more emotionally intelligent Mm -hmm. and aware. They're so much more well-rounded that the metric of success is so much broader. Like, it's not just academics, but it's career and networking and co-curricular and social and everything else. And and, And it's... People are risk averse, right? Like it's a small, isolated community. Everyone knows that people that they meet here are gonna also be professional contacts as well as friends. And everyone is sort of positioning with that in mind and it's anxiety inducing. And the good news is that everyone I speak to feels like that. So Mm -hmm. it's not like I'm alone, but it is hard. How do you ground yourself? In the knowledge that I'm not alone and in the knowledge that 
like I, every single time it comes up in conversation, I hear people say the same thing. Mm. And, and I think the worst mistake that, that I made in the first probably four to six weeks being here was assuming that I was finding it disproportionately hard or that it was supposed to be easier than it actually is. Mm. Um, and there are some amazing people here that I'm hugely in awe of. And the fact that they are also like, yeah, I took a nap today because I was pretty burnt <laughs> out. Or, yeah, you know, like this, uh, like I, I want to make friends with this person, but I don't know, I only have so much time. Or, you know, as we've talked about before, like the relationship side of things, like it's just hard. It's and, just and that's okay. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, throughout this conversation, you've kind of, we've discussed you being a bit of an extrovert and having a lot of interest just in chatting with others and getting to know your, your cl- tuck classmates. Do you think... That potentially there are parallels between that and your interest in film one of the things that films can do but they're not alone in this you know pictures and portraits can do this as well is they can give a real close-up um, and I think I like being precise when I talk about people because people deserve precision mm-hmm. people people deserve the respect of you trying to get to know them and any word that you say up to and maybe even about someone else will resonate 10 times more with them than it ever will with you mm-hmm. and so especially as someone who has a tendency of starting sentences before I know exactly where they're going to go, I often have to stop myself and be like, hold on, like, like, what is this thing going to be for this other person? And what, what should it be for that other person? Yeah. So it's maybe, it's maybe less to do with the characters in films, but it's more that, that they're trying to do the same thing, which is actually understand, rather than that cliche of like listening to respond. Mm. So you've just completed your second quarter, first quarter of Tuck? Yeah, quarter one's down. Quarter one's down. Do you feel like you've, I guess from an academic perspective and I guess potentially from a a social perspective, what do you think you've learned? Good question. Um, Or what has been debunked? Academically, I think I've maybe realized more than learned that everything is connected. You, you know, being in a class and having what is nominally a conversation about strategy, but actually is more of a conversation about marketing and that's underpinned by an understanding of manec. Mm-hmm. And the only reason you can really quantify or falsify that manec information is through accounting and financial statements. like. Mm-hmm increasingly in class and also in some of the events I've gone to I've seen those parallels and that to me is quite powerful because it validates the idea that you come here and you do get a sort of holistic understanding about how to operate in the business world Mm -hmm. socially what have I learned I don't know that I need to be braver and get out of my own head and keep on spending time with interesting people and yeah I don't know I don't know what that revelation is 
Get some snow boots, I'm guessing, coming from London to New Hampshire. I mean, I need to buy a comforter first because I'm living under a sheet right now. Oh, gosh. Wow. Um, need to get some Canada Goose. Oh, it's... it's but I like it, though. I like purposeful weather. Yeah. Um, I would much <laughs> Definitely rather... Definitely purposeful. <laughs> That's what I want. We don't have seasons in the UK. It's, it's baking hot in London or it's grey. And I like the idea of thunderstorms, snowstorms falling leaf storms <laughs> that's what i wanted um so i guess the last question if you had to mandate all of the listeners to watch one movie what would it oh be? what a good question one of my favorite movies of all time and a movie about discovering yourself in an educational setting is the history boys um and i first watched that as a student about to go to university and it is about students about to go to university and trying to figure out what knowledge actually is and what it should be and how your ideas of success change over time and mm-hmm. what you should feel comfortable in owning and chasing after. So maybe The History Boys by Alan Bennett. And it was a play and it was a wonderful play but it's a beautiful movie. Thanks for listening to this episode of If You Knew Me. The If You Knew Me podcast was founded back in the fall of 2020 to help deepen student connections and foster a culture of belonging at Tuck. Please check out our other episodes to support and learn more about other Tuckies. If you have any questions or feedback on the podcast, or if you want to be featured on a future episode, please contact us at the email address listed in the description.